Hi, welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters, and I'm your host, Erin Rowling. And I'm just wondering if you ever have days where it just takes every ounce of energy to get yourself motivated to do what you need to do, because it's just hard some days. Some days you just want to curl yourself up in a big old blanket in your jammies, grab some popcorn, watch some Netflix, and just stay there all day. You just, I don't know, you just lack energy. I've had two cups of coffees, you, coffees, you guys, coffee, so I should be fine. <laughs> I don't know what it was about today, but it just was hard to plug in. But you know what the great thing is? Usually when you struggle like that, you get going, you push yourself, and then you accomplish something, and then you're like, ah, okay, I'm so glad I did that. Like, that was me last night with our basement. Um, our kids moved their stuff into our basement, and, um, well, actually, I should say we moved our kids' stuff into our basement. They didn't. They offered, though. They really did offer, um, and so I had to do some rearranging because all of our kids are going to be home this weekend for a wedding, and so... Um, I, you know, like you get started on a project and you get way deeper than you anticipated or that you thought you were going to. So last night I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You got to get that done because your kids are coming and they need a place to sleep. And then I plugged through and then I was so happy that I got it done. And today it was getting the podcast done. Not that I don't want to talk with you guys, because I do. It's one of my favorite things. But sometimes getting prepared, I don't know. It You start diving in, and you get stuck. <laughs> and you're like, what am I doing? And then you rewrite everything. But then when it's done, you're like, man, I'm so happy that I did that. So anyways, uh, I I got the best compliment this week. Um this lady was telling me, she was like, hey, I listened to your podcast and it was just like you were sitting in my living room with me. She goes, my living room was messy, but you didn't care. <laughs> I literally love that so much because yes, I don't care if your living room is messy. You don't have to clean up for me to join you for a cup of coffee on this podcast. You can have the messiest house. I have friends that tell me they listen in the shower, they listen in the bathtub, they listen in the car. doesn't matter where you are. It's just us chatting, learning, and diving deeper. Um, I, I'm i going to just share this about teenagers because, you know, I always kind of open the podcast with something that's going on. And uh, teenagers sometimes, like I love, and, and I don't mean this, I it literally stresses me out actually when one of my kids texts me something and they're like, well, I guess that's not going to happen because you didn't fill out this email and send it in, which this is what my son did. Um, he texted me. He has an opportunity to try out for um, clarinet for Allstate, and, um, which he will say emphatically that it, the only reason why he's doing it is because his mother's making him. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, I think once you do it, you're going to be happy you did it. So I will push you. I need, I need a mom <laughs> to push me. Um, but anyways, so uh, apparently there was an email that I did not know about because um, he's not the best at relaying information to me. Does anybody else have that issue with their teenager? And so um, 
apparently there was an email that I was supposed to pay for the entrance fee last week. Um, and I didn't know this. And so that's the text I got. Well, apparently I'm not going to be able to do it because, and I think maybe he was like secretly happy. Maybe that's why he didn't tell me because he didn't want me to fill it out because he doesn't want to do it. But I, I found the email despite the fact that I have, is this a lot of emails? Okay, I looked. Now, my son-in-law, is, every time he sees my email, he's like, Mom, I have like 26,000, almost 27,000 emails. Is that a lot? Are you supposed to delete them? I don't know. It's too late. It's too late to delete them, you guys. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, I'd have to delete them all, and then i delete something that I want, and then that's a problem. So I don't know what to do about the email thing, but... Apparently, I'm not great at looking at them. And so um, there was an email. I did receive it. And so I just took the chance and I paid it. They accepted my money. So if they're like, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to say, hey, you took my money. My He can do this. So yeah. Um, also, just the... I've unlocked uh, something with teenage girls. And I have to share this because... I don't know. Us parents got to stick together. And when we find something out about these teenagers, we need to share it with each other. So um, recently my daughter had her 14th birthday party. We did a nacho table, which I highly recommend for teenagers. You basically just put a bunch of tinfoil on your table and you spread nachos on it. You put the chips, you put the meat, you put the cheese. They can eat right off the table with sour cream and salsa and guacamole. It's awesome. And then you just roll it up and you'll throw it away. I mean, what could be better than that? And anyway, so they're at the table, you know, and they're girls. So there's lots of, lots of talking. And I don't know if your teenage girl says this, but this seems to be common among the teenage girls that I'm around is, oh my gosh, he's so hot. Like this is, these are words I hear Every time I'm around them, they pass a boy and they're like, oh my gosh, he's so hot. Did you see how hot he is? Oh my, oh my word. Like, could he be any hotter? And I'm so in my mind, I'm thinking I'm, I'm worried because this is basically any boy that they pass that's remotely, you know, cute. And, um, so I told Pom like, oh my gosh, like these girls are just completely boy crazy. But I did unlock something, you guys, and I'm here to share it with you. Just because they say that a boy is hot does not mean they like him. Which, I thought that. I thought that every time they said it, they were saying that they liked him. So there was this boy, and Abby was telling her friends, Oh my gosh, he's so hot. And they were like, show me a picture. Oh my gosh, he's so hot. Yeah, he's so hot. And I was like, so all these girls like the same boy? And they said, you guys. And they were like, just because we say he's hot does not mean we like him. We just think he's hot. So there you have it. Just because your kid says someone's hot does not mean that they like him. So that's good news for us parents whose kids say it with every boy that passes by. Anyways, I just felt that that needed to be shared. <laughs> Some of you are like, um, you need help as a parent. Yes, please send help. That would be great. It'd be helpful in my life let me tell you but anyway so to get on to things that actually matter um we talked about the giving nights uh last time so I'm just gonna recap real quick because if for some reason 
you didn't listen to last week's podcast and you're just joining us for the first time, first of all, welcome. Um, I probably scared you off with the he's so hot thing, but that's life and it's part of my life and that's what this podcast is, me talking about my life and the things that I learn about Jesus. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so we have this group of Gibeonites who realize um, in Joshua chapter 9 that the Israelites are going to kill anyone who is inhabiting the land that God has promised them. So, uh, according to Joshua 9.4, these Gibeonites um, acted with cunning, and they decided to deceive the Israelites, a.k.a. Joshua, who was their leader, into making a covenant with them to not destroy them. And so, they go back home, and then Joshua realizes, I made a mistake, Um, what have I done? And... And realizes that he did not counsel with the Lord and that's why he messed up. So that was a whole podcast last week, like, you know, seeking the Lord's um, counsel, not relying on our own strength um, when we make decisions. And, you know, you would think, okay, that's, we're done with with passage nine. But we're not. We are not done, you guys. (laughs) Um, So when I was kind of like, Last week, talking about the Giving Nights, I, you know, do my research and I'm looking up different articles and reading different um, people's perspective and stuff like that. And I read this article called um, Good News in the Giving Night Deception. And I was intrigued because I was like, where's the good news? <laughs> How do you get good news and deception and you put those in the same sentence? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to dive in and, and see um, how is that even possible. And so in order to, the, to do that, we have to move on to the rest of the story. Um, and the thing is, is like, obviously things aren't in the Bible just to be in the Bible. And so to even stop there would be doing us a disservice because there's a couple more verses. So we need to check out the rest of the verses. Um. Uh, where am I? Apparently, I don't know where I'm, I'm at. I love when that happens. That That's like the most fun thing about podcasting. And this is where most podcasters, honestly, like they would stop and they would go back and they would start again. But if I was in a conversation with you in your living room, I would not do that. I would just keep on talking. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, so... Obviously, Joshua is like, he realizes what happens here. And he could have just left it. He could have just like been like, okay, well, the, what's done is done. But he doesn't. He actually summons the Gibeonites to have them explain themselves. And so if you want to know where we're at, it's in Joshua 9 and verses 22 and 23. They explain, or it's when he summons them. And it says, then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you? Well, actually, you live near us. You are now under a curse and you will never cease to serve as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. And then so basically he's like, why did why did you deceive us? And this was their answer. And they answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servants Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all of its inhabitants from before you. 
So we feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. So basically, the Gibeonites' response in a nutshell is like, we clearly knew that if we didn't do something, we, we're not going to survive. We're not going to live. And so the bottom line is, we feared for our lives. And um, which, you know, what's interesting here is that the Gibeonites, they don't serve God. Like they have their own idols. Like they're, they're not God-fearing people, if you will. But yet they have faith in God, which I just think is really interesting. Um, and I read an article actually that paralleled this account of faith in God with another incident in the Bible that actually takes um, place also in Joshua. And it's actually the account of Rahab the harlot. And like we said, nothing in scripture is by chance. And when I saw this, I was like, Ooh, I mean, it piqued my interest, so I'm hoping that it piques your interest too. Like, what does the Gibeonites have anything to do with Rahab the harlot? Well, there's some parallels, and I'm going to point them out to you, and we're going to kind of go through them and see what we can learn. So here's the first parallel. It's So the, the Gibeonites are natives of Canaan. This is the land that they grew up in. It's the land that they know, that they've known their whole lives. They've, you know... It's like when you say you're a native of Michigan or you're native of whatever, which actually I am not a native of Michigan, just I I actually was born in Missouri. So I've lived in Michigan, but I didn't actually was not born here. So um, just in case you wanted to know that, I don't know why you would want to know that, but now you know. Anyways, um, which I'm glad because Missouri is super hot and I don't would not want to live there. If you live in Missouri, good for you. I'm sure it's great and lovely. <laughs> Anyways, why did I get myself in these places? Anyways, so the Gibeonites are native to Canaan. And guess who else is? You guessed it. Rahab the harlot. She also is a native to Canaan. And if we go to um, Joshua 2. So Rahab's story happens before the Gibeonites, just so you know. Um, but in verse one, it says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially in Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. So the Gibeonites are from Canaan, Rahab's from Canaan. So they both, this is their land that they've lived here. They've worked it. It's where they've grown up. It's where they have their families. It's their heritage. Now, the second parallel, the Gibeonites know that God was giving the, the Canaan land to Israel because, remember, God had, they knew that God had commanded Moses to take the whole land. I mean, this isn't something, which is, is, is interesting, right? Because there's no news back then. There's no way, there's like, no, you can't go on your phone and look up the news of the day or watch the news on your TV in the morning or anything like that. Like this stuff had to like get around, talk about gossip, <laughs> get around. <laughs> like, you know, everyone knew this stuff for, for the Gibeonites. Well, Rahab also knew the same thing. And it talks about it in Joshua 2 verses 8 and 9. It says, before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, 
I know that the Lord has given this land to you and and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. So the Gibeonites knew, Rahab knew. The third parallel, the Gibeonites respond with fear. They're they're like, um, okay, we we uh we've got to do something about this. It it says that they came together and they're like, all right, what are we gonna do? Because we've got to do something. Well, um, Rahab also responds with fear in Joshua two verses ten through eleven. It says, when I'm gonna find it. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shiloh and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. So both of them were like, um, we have a fear of this God of yours. And not only do we recognize that, but then parallel number four is they both decide to act. It's not wasn't enough just to know it, but they were like, okay, we need to do something about this. And so for the Gibeonites, they are like, we need to figure out how to save our lives. And so they, you know, we talked about this in the last podcast, you know, they saddle up their donkeys and they, you know, take moldy bread and all of this stuff. And they're like, we're going to make them think that we're from a faraway land and we're going to make this um, treaty with them where they can't kill us. Well, Rahab also acts on on her fear of losing her family. And in Joshua 2, verses 12 through 13, it says, When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you and give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sister and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. So the last parallel, I got to skip a bunch of pages here because um, this is where things I got stuck and I had to X out a bunch of things. Which I'd be very embarrassed if someone sees my notes because my spelling is horrific and I don't make sense. And that's why I lose my place sometimes because I don't make sense. <laughs> um, what it? So here's the next parallel. There is deception in both of these accounts. So the Gibeonites, they deceive Joshua by, by looking like those hobos and having moldy bread, right? They, they deceive him. Rahab also deceives the soldiers who come looking at her home for the spies. Now, the name of this podcast is called Deception Equals Good News. How do we correlate deception with good news? Well, first of all, what drove the deception? Well, the Gibeonites and Rahab both knew that they were on the wrong side of the Israelites' God. How can we see good news in the midst of these situations? And it's pretty simple, actually. <laughs> like, it hit me kind of like a ton of bricks because I, I kept trying to figure out how to bring this, like, full circle. And it came down to, like, one word. Faith. 
Like faith is, the meaning of faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone that someone, and that someone being God in these accounts, right? And the Gibeonites and Rahab did not have faith based on a direct encounter with God. There, it wasn't like something that happened, you know, like Saul in the Bible, like he has this direct encounter with God and he's like, oh my gosh, there is a God, like I'm killing Christians and there is a God. That is not the case with the Gibeonites and Rahab. They don't have this direct encounter that builds their faith in this God. It's really hearsay that leads them to believe that this God is real. Like they've heard about it and that's how they build their faith. For the Gibeonites, it says they had heard what Joshua had done to Jericho. And for Rahab, it says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea. They heard and they had faith. What they didn't realize here is that their faith was fulfilling God's promises to Abraham. Now, what's God's promise to Abraham? Well, we find it back in Genesis 12, 3. In part, the second half of God's promises um, to him was, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all, on the, all the people on earth will be blessed by you. Well, I want to take that first part. I will bless those who bless you. This isn't the last of the Gibeonites and Rahab. Like these two accounts found in Joshua 2 for Rahab and Joshua 9 for the Gibeonites. This isn't the last that we hear of them. It was interesting because after I was like started having this idea of the Gibeonites and Rahab and like what, like this correlation between the two of them, how their stories paralleled um, and all of that, I was went sat down to do my reading in 2 Samuel 21, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm reading about the Gibeonites again. Now, they were back in Joshua, and it's like Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. Like, I'm in 2 Samuel, and here they are popping up again. I'm just glad that I could remember the books of the Bible in order, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> There's moments where you're like, whew, okay, I got that right. Hopefully, I got that right. That's where uh, singing the song comes into play, you know. Uh, the kid's song for, I'm not even going to attempt to sing it because I probably don't know it. But anyway, so in this account in 2 Samuel 21, David is king now and um, there is a famine and David seeks the face of God. That's what Joshua did not do. He did not seek the Lord's counsel. But here David is like, okay, we got a famine. We got a problem. The only way to figure out what's going on which is that we're doing something wrong and we need to ask the Lord how to fix this problem. And so he goes before the Lord and the Lord reveals to him that the reason for the famine is because Saul and Saul was the king before David. So it was Saul, now it's David. He, Saul had tried to annihilate the Gimenites um, because he was being selfish and he basically just wanted Israel and Judah to be these great nations and he didn't want any Gibeonites involved in it so when he was king he was like hey I'm going to try to get rid of these people and guess what God was not happy that uh, Saul tried to do that so 
because God said, I will bless those who bless me. They were protected because of their faith. Isn't that kind of crazy? How like God sent a famine to these people because he was like, you try to take out people that I have decided to protect. I just thought that was super interesting. Well, Rahab also um, has a blessing because if you look in her lineage, um, which is basically like so-and-so begat, so-and-so who begat, so-and-so, which can get really boring. But then you, if, if you read a lineage and you like um, got on a name and then you're like, oh, I know that person. <laughs> oh, I know David. Oh, I know Rahab. Okay. Oh, I know Jesus. <laughs> well, for her, for um, Rahab, she is the lineage of, in the lineage of Christ. So like she's she also has this great blessing. Man, like, who doesn't want to be in the lineage of Christ? I, I think all, all of us would be like, yeah, that'd be so cool. Um, and so there's the blessing of people who decided to bless. Now, the second part says, I will curse. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And both the Gibeonites and Rahab, both had a decision to make in each of their accounts to curse God. Like they didn't go with what everyone was doing, right? Because the Gibeonites, um, if you remember, we talked about in the beginning of that chapter, it talks about how all of these kings were coming together because they were like, okay, the Israelites are like destroying everyone. They're killing everyone. And this is a problem. And so if we all gather together, we can come against Israel and maybe we can annihilate them, which is not going to happen because it's God's people and God wasn't happy with that. But the Gibeonites decided like, let's, maybe there's a different way. Maybe we can do something to spare ourselves. And so instead of joining forces with people that came against Israel, they decided to try to align themselves with Israel. And what happened to the ones who came against them? They were destroyed. They were wiped out. Well, same thing with Rahab. She could have exposed the spies when she hit them on her roof. Um, but she didn't. And But what happened to the people? Like when it talks about the account of Jericho, it's like the people were standing up on the... Um, walls and like yelling at the Israelites and like you know basically like threatening them or you know making fun of them and doing all of this stuff they were against Israel and what happened well the walls came a tumbling down (laughs) right you know and so they were destroyed whoever curses you I will curse and the last part of that promises and says and all the people on earth will be blessed by you. Now, Joshua is believed to be the writer of Joshua, which makes sense. Um, I did read somewhere where it said, you know, that um, it could have been, you know, changed a little bit here by some other writers. But anyways, it doesn't really matter, I guess, who wrote it. But whoever wrote it, if it wasn't Joshua, <laughs> it seems to have a theme in these passages And the theme seems to be this, that God can take these crazy events of a leader not seeking him, a group of people who deceive um, to protect themselves, a woman who deceives others to protect some spies, who's a harlot. I mean, 
can we talk about that for a second? I mean, my husband just did a message on Rahab the Harlot, and I would highly recommend it. It's a great message. Um, but he said that, like, he was just like, let's call it what, what it was. She was a prostitute. I mean, I think we, we like to try to clean things up, especially, like, when it comes to things that are godly. <laughs> we like to clean things up. And yet, I think that's where we miss the depth of what what God is trying to show us. And I, I think that's where, because I was really trying to think, how am I going to wrap this up? And this is kind of a different podcast. You know, I don't feel like I have these tons of personal stories to put in there. And it feels more like a teaching instead of a podcast. And, and I hope that you were able to track along. And then I just kind of sat with the end of it, which... um. I've been talking to people who are speaking at some of our women's gatherings. I'm like, you need to have an ending. And I'm like, Erin, you don't have an ending. (laughs) You gave out advice that you're not taking for yourself. And I don't know. I I just came to this place of like that despite all of those things, there's this good news in the midst of all of this chaos and all of this um, deception and what should seem like like a complete and utter fail of everything and like only negativity could come out there's there's this beautiful good news that comes out and so how does deception equal good news it's simple it's god it's it's just him that he can bring something so good out of things that it's just like where is this story going and like how can goodness come out of these things and that's so applicable I think to all of our lives because we're we're singing a new song at church this Sunday called God is on the throne and when I first heard it I I started there's this part that says just think about it just think about it. It's like saying all these things about God and then it just says, just think about it. And I I don't know, that, that line has been striking me. And with this podcast, I guess it's just striking me like, just think about it. Like, just think about the good news in your life. Maybe there's not deception per se in your life, but maybe there's a lot of like, crazy stuff and how could all of that craziness equal good news well it's God it's God in his mercy and I love how I I mean I was just so smitten with reading that account of David where God's like listen you're coming against a group of people that I have decided to protect because of their faith in me. They heard of me. They had faith in me. It wasn't an, even an encounter faith. I guess that just like keeps getting me with both of these stories. Like it wasn't encounter um, moments of encounter that brought faith. It was just faith. You know, sometimes we just have faith because of things we've heard. And not necessarily because we've experienced them. And I think that we're so trained to have faith because we've experienced it. 
We want to experience everything. And that's not bad. But can we have faith without experiencing it? Can we just read our Bible and say, you know what? This is These are things that God did for these people. And I have faith that God wants that for me too. Even when we haven't experienced it? I don't know. It, it's just... Maybe this is a weird podcast. I don't know. But it's just thoughts that are really hitting me. Like, I want to have that kind of faith that says, I don't have to experience it. I just believe that what God says in his word, it's true. Nobody is going to experience everything that is written in the Bible, every experience that's in the Bible. But I think that the Gibeonites and Rahab can show us that you can have faith without experience. Is experience great? Yeah, it is. I I love, I mean, a lot of times this podcast is about me giving my experiences and diving into those things. But what about the times I don't experience something? Can I have faith despite my experience? And the Giving Nights and Rahab show me that that's possible. And that because they chose to do that, that God came through, not just in the present moment, the Gibeonites were spared, Rahab was spared, but there was legacy and protection and blessing that followed through. And I don't, if I just sit back and I think about it, I don't want to miss out on blessing because I didn't have enough faith, because I didn't experience it. Does that make sense? I hope this has given you some food for thought. I hope you look back on your life and you realize that there can be good news despite the craziness of your life. Like, these are kind of crazy stories. (laughs) And yet, they're in the Bible for a reason. And I think there's things we can learn from it. And I pray that you too will... Commit to having faith in God because you've heard about who he is. And that in the times that you don't experience those things, that you will decide to have that faith despite the experience. And I believe if, I think that's even greater faith, if I could say that, because faith is without seeing. It's just believing. And I don't know, this is really challenging me right now. I'm like unpacking this with you as <laughs> as you're listening. So I hope you're not lost. And I hope that we can challenge ourselves in the times where we're not seeing. You know, that I've, I've done a podcast on, you know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Um, even when I don't feel that you're working. I mean, it comes back to that whole thought of like, okay, I have faith despite my feelings. I have faith despite what I'm seeing. And I'm going to keep devouring God's word and learning about these moments where people decided to have faith and the blessing that came with it. And I want that too for my life. And I hope you want that for you too for your life. And thanks for unpacking this with me today. And yeah, be blessed. And hopefully I gave you some food for thought.